going to be in Jeremiah, of course, today. Jeremiah 44. Things we can do to memorize Scripture um, will definitely help. If you find a pattern, find something that works for you. Um, the Bible talks to us about the importance of hiding God's Word in our heart, uh, keeping it there. And the first way we do that is by reading the Bible. And then the second way we do that is by memorizing the Bible. And, uh, and so find ways to do it. Uh, fun songs. Songs are a great way. Uh, to do it. It doesn't take uh, a Beethoven to write a song. Um, hey, Cammie, will you shut that door? Thank you. Um, so uh, find a way to memorize Scripture. It'll help you. It'll help you during your day. It'll help you in hard times. Start with when you find a verse that you've read or that you've heard that helps you with an area you struggle in. Um, memorize that verse. Write it down on a piece of paper or a three-by-five card or put it on your phone somewhere where it's going to pop up and remind you and memorize the verses that apply to things that you struggle with. And then when you start struggling with it, start reciting the verse to yourself and praying it to God. And uh, remember when Jesus was tempted, he quoted scripture. And uh, so it's important to know scripture. And that's what uh, John's been doing and helping us with with these songs as well. Uh, Jeremiah 44. Uh, it is a very much so a, a chastising chapter. There are not a whole lot of smiling faces in Jeremiah 44. So let's look at it this, uh, this what is this, afternoon, and, uh, and then we'll head home. Let's look in verse 1. The Bible says, The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews which dwell in the land of Egypt, which dwell in Migdal and in Taphanes and at Noth, and in the country of Pathros, saying. So you remember, right, the last couple chapters. Uh, the, the people came and they said, Jeremiah, pray for us, and whatever God says, we'll do. And then God said, don't go to Egypt. And they said, no, we want to go to Egypt. And uh, so then we saw him go to Egypt and take Jeremiah captive. And then uh, uh, now is kind of where we're looking at as God is speaking to them. He warned them, did he not? If you go to Egypt... There's going to be consequences, and that's exactly what we're going to look at here, continued uh, prophesying towards those consequences. Lord, help us, I do pray, as we look at this chapter, and I pray even though this is a chapter written to and about the Jews, I pray that we would learn from it today as there is so much good application for our own lives. And so help us, I do pray, to learn from your word this afternoon, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so we see here this chapter is the word that God gave to Jeremiah to give to the people who went to Egypt. And let's look at what he says in verse number 2. He starts out with a history lesson. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Ye have seen all the evil that I have brought upon Jerusalem and upon all the cities of Judah. And behold, this day they are a desolation, and no man dwelleth therein. So he's saying, you've seen what I've done. Why did I do it? Verse 3, because of their wickedness, which they have committed to provoke me to anger, and that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods, whom they knew not, neither they, ye, nor your fathers. Their sin, ultimately here, is idolatry. Their sin jealousy. 
but a jealous God, meaning that he is the only one worthy of our worship. And if you worship anything else, um, God is not pleased with it. He says in verse 4, Howbeit I sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising early, and sending them, saying, Oh, do not this abominable thing that I hate. Can he be any more clear? There are sins going on in this world today that God has called an abomination. And yet people still try to kind of paint over it like, no, no, you don't understand what he really means. <laughs> what do you mean I don't understand what he means? This is an abomination. Even that and the worshiping of idols, we see here that he, he says, do not this abominable thing that I hate. Verse 5, but they hearken not, nor incline their ears to turn from their wickedness, to burn no incense unto other gods. Wherefore my fury and mine anger was poured forth and was kindled in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, and they are wasted and desolate as at this day. It's a history lesson. This is why I told you not to go to Egypt. Before that, I warned people, don't do this abominable thing, and they did it. And you know what happened? Now the land is desolate. <laughs> they did the same thing that they are doing currently. Verse 7, therefore now... Thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, Wherefore commit ye this great evil against your souls, to cut off from you man and woman, child and suckling, out of Judah, to leave you none to repent? In that ye provoke me unto wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense unto other gods in the land of Egypt, whether, uh, whither excuse me, ye be gone to dwell, that ye might cut yourselves off, and that ye might be a curse, and a reproach among all the nations of the earth. Strong words from God. He says in verse 9, Have ye forgotten the wickedness of your fathers, that's the past, and the wickedness of the kings of Judah, and the wickedness of their wives, and now he says of the present, and your own wickedness, and the wickedness of your wives, which they have committed in the land of Judah, and in the streets of Jerusalem. They are not humbled, even unto this day. Neither have they feared, nor walked in my law, nor in my statutes that I set before you and before your gods. We're going to see in the next about 20 verses, I guess, um, we're going to see a, a mirrored image of Christianity today, of what was going on in this time. And you're going to see this, and maybe you disagree with me, and that's fine. But I think it's a mirrored image of Christianity in America today of what we see going on here. He says in verse 10, they are not humble. They've never uh, uh, come to their knees. They've never come to the point where they went back to God and said, God, we're wrong, we sin, what we're doing is wrong, forgive us, uh, uh, restore us, all that kind of stuff. Hasn't happened. They have not feared. They have not walked. Uh, and they have not, they've set... Uh, uh, um, to the things that God set before them and their fathers. They refuse to adhere to those things. So then in verse 11 it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, listen to this, I will set my face against you for evil and to cut 
sounds good. Um, we read in the Bible where it says, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be against us, who can be for us? And here their sin has driven now God to the point where he says, I say driven God to the point, God knew it was going to happen, but God is here saying to them, I'm done. I've sent Jeremiah, I've sent prophets to preach to you and, and warn you and, and tell you what would happen, and you have refused to listen, not just you, the generation before you as well. And he says, so now I'm turning my face from you. You're going to be a curse, you're going to be a reproach, the end of verse 12. Uh, the, all these sorts of things. Verse 13, for I will punish them that dwell in the land of Egypt as I have punished Jerusalem by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. You remember in Jerusalem and Judah where Babylon came and captured the, the folks there? There was the sword issue where people died. There was famine that followed. There was pestilence that followed. And so he says the same thing's going to happen now in Egypt. So that, verse 14, none of the remnant of Judah, which are gone into the land of Egypt to sojourn there, shall escape or remain, that they should return into the land of Judah, to which to the which they have a desire to return to dwell there, for none shall return, but such as shall escape. He told them, don't go to Babylon, or don't go to Egypt. And they refused to listen. As a matter of fact, it gets bolder. Look in verse 15. Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto, unto God, and all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt and Patros, answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. And they go on. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth, to burn incense unto the queen of heaven, the moon, and to pour out drink offerings unto her, as we have done. We and our fathers and our kings and our princes and the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, for then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. So when we were doing this in Jerusalem and Judah, everything was going just fine. So we're going to do it now. Now a stupid thing to do. Pretty stupid. Uh, verse 19, when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out the drink offerings uh, unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out uh, drink offerings unto her without our men? The women now are saying, don't, don't put this on us. Uh, the men were, were there too. And Jeremiah said unto all the people, to the men and to the women and to all the people which had given him that answer, saying, the incense that ye burned in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, ye and your fathers and your kings and your princes and the people of the land, did not the Lord remember them and came it not unto his mind, into his mind, so that the Lord could no longer bear because of the evil that your doings and because of the abominations which you have committed. Therefore is your land a desolation and an astonishment and a curse without an inhabitant as at this day. He said, go look at Jerusalem and Judah. What does it look like? Because they said, when we were doing this there, there was no issue, so we're going to do it here. He says, hello, <laughs> go look. It's desolate. There's nobody there. There's no crops growing. There's nothing good happening there. God has abandoned you. It's a curse. And he says in verse 23, because ye have burned incense, 
And because ye have sinned against the Lord, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, nor walked in his law, nor in his statutes, nor in his testimonies, therefore this evil has happened unto you as at this day. Moreover, Jeremiah said unto all the people and to all the women, Hear the word of the Lord, all Judah, that are in the land of Egypt. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, Ye and your wives have both spoken with your mouths, and fulfilled with your hands, saying, We will surely perform our vows that we have vowed to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. Ye will surely accomplish your vows and surely perform your vows. Therefore hear ye the word of the Lord. All Judah that dwell in the land of Egypt, behold, I have sworn by my great name, saith the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah in all the land of Egypt, saying, The Lord God liveth. Now listen in verse 27. Behold, I will watch over them for evil and not for good. And all the men of Judah that are in the land of Egypt shall be consumed by the sword and by the famine until there be an end of them. And in verse 28, this is intriguing to me. This is, again, a reminder of the ultimate purpose of God. He says in verse 28, Yet a small number that escape the sword shall return of the land of Egypt into the land of Judah, and all the remnant of Judah that are gone into the land of Egypt to sojourn there shall know whose words shall stand, mine or theirs. The reason why some escape, it's not because they're savvy and because they are able to uh, uh, out, outmaneuver God's punishment. The reason why they escape is so that there is someone left to let everyone know whose word was true. God's or theirs. Because they said, we're going to do this. We're going to worship the moon. Because when we did this in Jerusalem, nothing happened. Everything was fine, even though Jerusalem and Judah were a wasteland. He said, the punishment's happening now. So he says, I'm going to, the men here, they're going to die of a sword sword and famine. They're not going to make it back. There will be a few that will escape for the purpose of letting everyone else know when they return whose word is true. I think of America today and Christianity in America today. There's so many people who say, you know what? I know what the Bible says and I know what is right, but I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it. And I'm even talking about Christianity. It's not the, the drinking, although that's involved sometimes, and the, uh, the, the sins that we would go, oh, that's a big sin. It's not the things, because, uh, I mean, there are, there are Christians all over America drunken and, and making a mockery of God today. But they go through and they say, okay, I know that, you know, I think this is right. I know, I know that God has always kind of wanted this, but I'm going to do church my way. I'm going to do what I think works best. Now listen, I think I've made this clear, but I'll say it again just to make sure. People who do church differently than I do church, I don't automatically think they're evil people. Uh, There are other people who do things differently than I do them, and I believe God is pleased and honored with their services and how they do things. I'm not here to judge other people. What I'm saying is there are people in this world Christians who say, well, I'm going to do it my way, the, think, the way that I think um, it, it will, people want. That's the wrong way to go about Christianity, doing what people want. Christianity should be about what God wants and God alone. And so 
we in, in Christianity in America today, we're mirroring what these people are doing. Now, I guess it's slightly different. We're not necessarily worshiping the moon, but what we are doing is worshiping self, and we're, we're out here saying, you know, I know best, and, and you know what? I, I, this guy, he did it, and nothing happened to him. And I mean, look at his church. It's booming. Uh, look at this person. Look at their life. They're, they're wealthy or they're well-off or whatever it may be, and they did it, so it must be fine, right? There is a desolate land somewhere. And if it's not there yet, it's going to be there. If they're not doing what God wants them to do. And we get caught up in this, this mindset of, I'm just going to do what I want to do. As kids, we grow up. If we grow up in church, we grow up and we begin to think, um, you know, it would be really cool. I mean, I always thought it would be cool if uh, the church, instead of water fountains, had soda fountains. Uh, I thought that would be really neat. And uh, you notice we don't have a soda fountain in our church today. Um, but, uh, you know, when we think through different things, and the older we get, we begin to think it would be better if the pastor would do this or if the church would have this or the church would allow this. And the reason why most times that we're thinking that is because it would feed, it would, it would feed my desires. And instead of praying about what is right, instead of praying about the music that's in the church, instead of praying about uh, the ministries in the church and, and the way that we do outreach and different things like that, we just go, I think it would be best if. I think the community would like it better if. Again, it's not wrong to think about the community, but it's wrong to do what you do based off of what the community wants versus what God wants. And so we bathe everything we do at the church in prayer, and we ask God for guidance and for uh, uh, understanding, and then we do it so that we don't become a desolate land. And he says there in verse 29, and this shall be a sign upon you, or unto you, excuse me, saith the Lord, that I will punish you in this place, that ye may know that my word shall surely stand against you for evil. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give Pharaoh Hophra, king of Egypt, into the hands of his enemies. Again, it's affecting more than themselves. Now, the king of Egypt was a wicked man. But I want to say this carefully. God says the soul that sinneth it shall die. You're responsible for your own sin. But a large reason why Egypt was getting ready to get taken over was because God's people were there and they were rejecting God. And so he says, uh, he's going to hand them over to their enemies, um, as I gave Zedekiah, the king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, his enemy, and that sought his life. He said, you were in Judah worshiping idols. And so I sent Nebuchadnezzar, and now Judah's a desolate place. Now you're in Egypt worshiping idols, and I'll send in Pharaoh's come take it over you can't run um, you can't hide you can't, you can't say you know what God I'm done with you I don't believe you I don't believe what you say that doesn't mean that it's not true it just means that you're being unsmart you're being rebellious and I just find that in Christianity in America today not everybody of course please don't but Christianity in America today is so much like this where we're just kind of like, you know what? I, I see this in a, in, 
I guess it's the younger generation behind me. They're not that far behind me, I suppose. But this mindset of, well, everybody used to do it this way. Listen, we should never do anything just because that's how we always did it. But they look back and they go, oh, these people did it this way, and I'm so tired of that, that kind of methodology, and so we're going to go do this. And the reason why we're going to do it is because it will get big fast, and then we'll get uh, paid well, and then we'll be famous, and uh, famous within a certain small sect of people, but famous, and all these kinds of things. And, and again, not everybody that has a big church is bad. Not everybody that does things differently than me is bad. Uh, please understand that. But there is a mindset of those old fogies don't know what they're doing. And we're going to do everything exactly opposite. Well, the old fogies might not know what they're doing. That doesn't mean that's not what they're doing is bad. And it doesn't mean that's not godly. If what they're doing is what God told them to do, then you should praise them. Then you should encourage them. You should help them. And if what you're doing is what God told you to do, then you should be confident in that. And if what you do is what you want to do because it makes you happy, then the desire's in the wrong place. The focus is in the wrong place. Ultimately, you're worshiping a God that's not the God of heaven. And we have to be so careful because God's word will always come out true. As God said here, my word shall stand. God says, if you want to be blessed, live a life that is Christ-honoring. His word will stand. God says, sin has to be punished. God's word will stand. God says, I place the king throughout the world his word shall stand you see all the answers (laughs) are in the book that we hold in our hands today and it's our responsibility to obey and to follow it's almost like blind following but it's not because he gave us his word to understand it and uh, so maybe the correct, I don't know what the correct term would be, but by, well, by faith. Don't understand it, but you know God's word says it, so you're going to do it. And you're going to ask God to give you understanding along the way. But know this, if God says, if God calls it an abomination, it's an abomination. If God says, I hate it, he says that about more than one thing. Uh, <laughs> you better believe God hates it. And you better understand that if you're on God's side, the outcome will be better. And if you're not on God's side, desolation is just around the corner. Lord, help us, I do pray, to obey you. We talk about it a lot. Just the simplicity of just obeying you, doing right. Preachers have preached that for years, going all the way back to the beginning of time. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us in this church, that we would follow you and do right. God, we would not leave behind desolation, but that we would leave behind a generation that is still growing in their love and their relationship with you. A generation that will pass on to the next generation the wisdom and the knowledge that you've given us. Lord, help us to understand the importance of dedicating, surrendering our lives to you and following you every step of the way. Lord, if we're wrong, Help us to get right. 
And Lord, if we're right, help us to stay on path. Direct us, guide us, provide for us, protect us this week, we do pray in Jesus' precious name.